Okay, so let me ask a question. And don't jump to a conclusion quickly. Think about this for a while. Are the things that hurt people the same things that kill people in your organization? Hi, everybody. Pre-Accident Podcast. Todd Conklin, welcome to the pod. Glad you're here because it's lonely without you. How's it going? As everything's kind of screaming to a halt, the year's getting ready to come to an end. Uh, Crazy things are happening. Um, I'm curious. I'm just, the future is uh, rather mysterious to me at all levels. That's for sure. Um, It's, it's, I don't, I I don't even know what comes out of this. But I have all sorts of things going on in my uh, vibe, in my territory. We're getting ready to do all sorts of cool stuff. <clears throat> Got some interesting workshops coming out. There's one in March in Dallas. That's an open workshop, and it's available for anybody. It's It's been hosted by Luminant um, Energy. But uh, it's a three-day workshop, and it's going to be Bob, myself, and Mark Yeston. The first day will be uh, Deep Dive Foundations of Human Performance, which I do think is a really important class if you haven't – not because it's I'm – not, I'm not saying it's the best class or – it's just I think we're, we're drifting a little bit away from the principles. And so this deep dive is really structured around um, the five principles of human performance that historically have come from the Institute for Nuclear Power Operations – and are a part of the DOE handbook. So that that's a really deep dive class. It's great if you need people that want to have kind of deep understanding of what's going on. That'll be super good. Then you know about the workshop with Shane and I that's happening in February. I think that's February 6th in Denver. And that's a whole day workshop that is set up entirely to go into – some of the challenges and um, recommendations, maybe let's make it both positive and negative, in actually working these human performance theories in a large organization. So it's not so much a, a class on human performance. It's really a discussion on working with leadership at all levels, senior leaders, board-level leaders, uh, executive-level leaders, field leaders, supervisors, and it talks a little bit about the natural ebb and flow of uh, of safety, too, in an organization, how organizations kind of move forward with it, and then they drift a little back. They backslide a little, and then they drift forward. And that course, I um, I can assure you, will be incredibly valuable. It's a little hard to get into that course. So if you're interested in being in that course, we'd love to have you. The requirement is is that you've got a pretty good background in safety too because it's not the kind of class where we're going to talk about the fundamentals, um, although you always kind of talk about the fundamentals. It is definitely the kind of class where what we're going to talk about in great detail are some of the nuances in what we do. And uh, it's going to be at the uh, at the – Embassy Suites near the old Stapleton Airport in Denver. If if you don't know about it, it's right across the street from the House of Dankness. Yes, that's right. I said the House of Dankness, 
which is a, which is a very interesting name for a marijuana dispensary. Not that we're connected with it, and uh, they're not a sponsor or anything, but uh, it is kind of an interesting location. But it's a great place to have a conference because they have great conference facilities. Um, they really want to make you happy because when you're located near the House of Dankness, uh, I think probably other meetings don't go there. Just saying. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm just saying. But uh, but it's a full day, pretty much a, a big day. I mean, it's going to be eight solid hours of uh, seats in a circle and Shane and myself just chatting about our journey and addressing questions and then sharing really new ideas, um, techniques, and tips that have made it successful. And I think that's going to be a really interesting meeting. If you're interested in going to that, office Todd Conklin, all one word, at gmail.com. Again, it's... It's going to be a little selective. It probably needs to be selective for that one. The one in March in Dallas is wide open. Please come. Send send your management team. They're welcome. But this one in February, that meeting is going to be a little more detailed. I can't even wait because I don't know if you've spent any time with Shane Bush, but if you have, you know exactly what the day is going to be like. If you haven't, it's going to be really a fun day. Um Shane has done this longer than, well, I just don't know anybody that's been working in, in the new view field in an applied way with organizations longer than Shane Bush has. So he has a deep, 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 deep well of knowledge and he's, he's more than willing to tap it. He's as excited as I am about this meeting. And it's, it's just a chance. We don't get this chance to be together like this. We never get this chance to talk about what it is we do and some of the the ins and outs, kind of the inside baseball of of how this all happens, and so that's going to be an important part of of how we do that conference as well. So, a couple conferences on the horizon, just in case you're wondering, and I, I should talk about them because I don't do it enough. Is this one February six? It's it, it's still wide open. There's there's a lot of availability in Denver. That's a Wednesday, and then the seventh we'll do a deep dive learning class. And uh, Andrea Baker has offered to come in and really talk uh, not so much about team learning, but about how she looks at team learning and the larger contextual ties to um, how this changes our processes. In fact, she did a whole podcast on this that I'm going to get up as soon as possible that I think you'll really enjoy that talks directly about this um, in great detail. So that's the 6th and 7th of February 2019. And then that March class is the 26th, 27th, and 28th of March 2019, and that's in Dallas. And same same place if you want details, just office Todd Conklin and Leslie and I'll get you contacted. I promise we will, um, and we'll talk about that. But it, just put those on your calendar and really think about it. Those of you that are, are pretty um, hardcore practitioners, uh, and you know who you are because you're probably teaching class after you listen to this podcast um, – Think about attending that one in February. And then anybody you want to that needs kind of that uh, intro overview, learning, um, fatality, and and uh, human performance deep dive, that meeting in March is perfect for you. Other than that, let's see, what else do I have to talk about? Oh, there's a ton of stuff. So I don't even know where to begin to tell you the story of staying in Qatar. But I stayed in a fancy, 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 fancy pants hotel, and everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong. 
Um, so it's a five star hotel, butlers and hundred doorman and and a 24-hour maid service, and it's it was really, it was way, way past my comfort zone. I'm more of a Hampton Inn guy, you know, that's that's that hits me about where I live. But this place was fancy, swanky pants fancy, and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. They closed the beach at 5 o'clock. I swam in the pool, but they kicked me out of the pool because the pool closed at 4.30. They didn't serve eggs for breakfast because... They told me the smell of eggs was offensive to their customers, to which I said, but they're eggs and it's breakfast. Um, people want eggs for breakfast. It's just, it, was, it, just, it was a comedy of errors. But, you know, when you're with fun people, and I was with, with my friend Steve and Barb, when you're with fun people, you can put up with almost anything. And it ended up being a marvelous trip. But it was a great study in customer service because I, I ended up complaining about the eggs. Because the first two days we were there, they served eggs. And they were amazing. I mean, like, perfectly cooked. They were amazing. The third day in this hotel, they didn't serve eggs at at breakfast. And the breakfast was really nice. And it was a part of the room. And it was a huge buffet. And there were 50 million things to eat and many cultures represented. But no eggs. Not not an egg. You couldn't get an egg. So I I made a comment um, that eggs are what you serve in the morning. Because it's a fancy hotel, that comment got to the manager. The manager came and talked to me and told me that the smell of eggs was offensive, to which I told him that sounded stupid. Then I asked my host if the smell of eggs was culturally offensive to them. And the host said, well, that's really stupid because all our main breakfast foods involve eggs. Nonetheless, I got to meet the general manager of the hotel. I got a uh, free bowl of pistachios every morning in my room, which that was actually really, the shelled kind too. Lazy guy pistachios, um, but it didn't. It, it all everything's fine in the end. Uh, I wasn't kicked out. The police were not called. Nobody cried. It wasn't emotional. Uh, I tried not to meet pain with pain. I mean, I tried to be really positive and constructive, but I spent an awful lot of time asking them to serve eggs at breakfast. And the way it ended finally is that the general manager of the hotel said, you know, sir, when you when you say it like that, that you're asking me to serve egg, eggs at breakfast, he says, it, it sounds kind of silly, and I don't really have an argument for you. And I said, well, there you go. Then, then, then let's have eggs for breakfast. Let's, let's make that happen. That's what we want to have happen. So that, my friends, is a kind of a lead up into a tiny little discussion I want to have with you. Uh, for the rest of this podcast about that opening quote. Do the things that hurt people in your organization kill people? And so let me me set this up pretty early and say to you these words. If the things that hurt people in your organization are the same things that kill people in your organization, then traditional industrial safety approaches, the way we've run safety for years and years and years, is probably relatively effective to actually addressing significant injuries and fatalities in your organization. Unfortunately, and I do mean unfortunately, my bet is is that's not your organization. My bet is your organization is one of those places where the things that hurt people are not the same things that kill people. So ankle sprains don't lead to fatalities, right? Uh, hand cuts are never fatal. They're 
injuries and they're injuries that are important and we need to deal with them and we can think about them and they may even equate into into further action a day away from work or some kind of treatment for the employee but the challenge is and it really is a challenge is that we've built a system that believes that ultimately Heinrich's pyramid is true and if we take care of the things that hurt people we will eventually then stop killing people. That challenge is completely squarely in our headlights because that assumption that frequency and severity are coupled, and if you take care of the low-level events, the large events will go away, that assumption is flawed. The problem is, is that people generally still really hold on to that idea. And in fact, if you ask me what the biggest challenge we have for fatality prevention is, I will tell you the biggest challenge is that stupid pyramid and how it shaped an entire generation of leaders in organizations globally to believe that their job is to take care of the small things. And what's interesting about that is that when they think their job is to take care of the small things, With that, almost automatically coupled, comes the separation between management and workers. And so now we've built a case, and this pyramid really helps fuel this fire, that somehow injuries are the problem of the individual worker, not of the larger organization. And so all of our programs traditionally, and and they all seem to fall into this category, our programs have all traditionally sort of set up to change workers one worker at a time and to ask workers to not have low-level events, tell them not to hurt themselves. And in our zeal to tell them not to hurt themselves, what happens is they don't kill themselves. But what scares me is that that is not true. In fact, I can talk to you. The data is out there, and it's really strong. Organizations that are better at fatality prevention have higher injury rates than organizations who have zero fatality as their value statement. So the case we're building, and it's a really interesting case, is that in order to not have catastrophic failure of fatality, to not kill somebody, you actually have to build a system that reports more frequently and more honestly all the things that hurt them. Because knowing what hurts them is not important to fatality prevention, but a culture that talks about what hurts them and realizes that it's different than what kills them, that culture is more prone to understand that you have to decouple fatalities from industrial accidents and that you manage all of those through openness and curiosity and understanding how work is actually done. Now that challenge, be what it may, that challenge is anchored to our current reality by that goofy pyramid. And even goofier is when they take the big pyramid and they squeeze it and put a little line in the middle and they say that's fatality prevention. That still somehow implies a prepotency of order, that somehow the small events lead to the big events. And that's just not the case. 
If you look at events, and unfortunately, many of you that are listening to this podcast have had catastrophic failure. If you look at events, here's what you know almost immediately. And that is that fatality lives in normal work. It doesn't live in small injuries. Almost nobody that I've seen who's died in the workplace had 13 hand cuts and four broken legs before they died. Almost all these guys went from good guy, star performer, often a safety leader. Something happened. A control was not present. And when the energy moved, it killed the worker. That's not a function of hand cut counts. That's not a function of sprained ankle studying. That's a function of lack of control. And the pyramid, well, the pyramid's based upon this assumption. The things that hurt people, if you have enough of them, will eventually kill people. That couldn't be more wrong. I mean, that just could not be more wrong. A fatality is not a super accumulation of small accidents. A fatality is an unexpected combination of normal performance variability that happens in a situation where there simply are no controls to create recoverability. A fatality is not the presence of minor injuries. A fatality is the absence of control. I want you to think about this because I actually think this is really an important for uh, a thing for us to think about. And I probably don't talk about it enough because I think I talk about it enough. And I think I think I talk about it enough because I think about this all the time. But ultimately, I just came back from a meeting where the entire meeting was colored by the belief that somehow there must be, there has to be a relationship. There just has to be one between the low-level events and the major events. It just makes so much sense on the sheet of paper. That poster is so damn sensible that it has to be true, but it's not. Now, I think there's good news and bad news in this. The bad news is we're not done changing the world. The good news is, is that we've talked about it enough that I think companies really are starting to see fatality prevention differently than they see normal industrial safety. That they see fatality prevention not as the presence of a lot of little accidents that someday will add up to somebody dying, there's smoke, so there must be fire. They start seeing those little accidents as little accidents and the absence of control around the big potential events as something that makes a difference to preventing a catastrophic failure, a fatality, a horrible event. Are the things that hurt people the same things that kill people? No. That's the answer. No. And so therefore, we have to look at the things that kill people much differently. We have to understand that fatality events seem to not offer a lot of near misses. That fatality events are almost always beyond our prediction scope. We didn't imagine this could happen. If we would imagine this would happen, we'd have done something different. Fatality events are never an absence of stop work. 
Because I promise you, had the worker known they were going to die, they'd have stopped the job. Fatality events really are the absence of start work criteria. We got into a job and got into some energy where we didn't have the proper controls in place. And when it failed, it failed catastrophically and there was no recoverability. A fatality event, a fatality event is different than an industrial event. This is a conversation that we together, you and I, have to think about. And it's a conversation that we have to think about not how we have the conversation, but how we have the conversation with other people in our organizations. It's time to let go of the pyramid. I don't know how we do it. I don't know if we say it was wrong, scream and yell and rip it off the wall. Somehow, I don't think that'll be very effective. But I do think that if we're going to facilitate change, we have to build thinking based upon the old ideas that move people towards the new ideas. So fatality prevention helps replace the myth that somehow a fatality is a whole bunch of little events, events that hurt people, added up to make a big event. That challenge in whatever you do, that challenge is a big part of it. The last thing I'll say, because I think it's worth saying, is I think we do one other thing really, really poorly, and it's directly connected to that stupid pyramid. And that is when a fatality or a catastrophic failure happens in our organization, we tend to investigate how we failed to prevent the accident, which I think is kind of a nod, be it subconscious, but a nod back to somehow a fatality is a super accident. And there should have been indicators all along the way. When we had the fifth broken arm, we should have known it was coming. I think when we investigate how the organization failed to prevent the accident, it puts us in a place where we're investigating what we wish would have happened. And we're missing completely, entirely, what actually happened. And the only way you can put a control in a system is to know where the work actually is and where the hazard actually is. Not where the work's supposed to be or where the hazard's supposed to be, but where is the worker in reality, not not where they're supposed to be, but what was the worker actually doing and where was the hazard at the time? That challenge, well, that's the reason we're here, I guess. I mean, it's a big part of why we listen to uh, podcasts and read books and talk to people and argue in staff meetings. I mean, that's what we do, right? But our challenge is based upon some powerful forces that are wrong. And that's somehow the belief that the pyramid, which makes the world super predictable and understandable and makes complex systems linear, that belief that the pyramid is right, I think it's killing people. And that's what worries me the most. I don't know. You have to think about it, too. I can barely get them to serve eggs at breakfast. I mean, and it costs thousands of lives and millions of dollars to get them to do it. The challenge we have is to take 
what has been a very, very seductive traditional understanding of failure and turn it upside down. Change it so that now when we think about this, we don't think about the things that hurt people killing people. We actually think about the things that hurt people not being the same things that kill people. People are almost never injured because of lack of controls. <laughs> They're injured. They're injured. I don't know. That's a real, maybe they are injured because of lack of controls. I can promise you this. What kills people is a lack of controls. I don't know. Something to think about. What do you think? Not a bad podcast for, you know, a day. It could have been worse. You guys, everyone says you should talk longer. You should talk longer. Okay, so I'm talking longer. Are you happy? Did this make you happy? I hope it did. I can't wait to talk to you again. I got lots to talk about. You know about the conferences, the the one in February with Shane and I, and then the learning conference at the end of that. That'll be a good one. The one in March with Luminate in Dallas, that'll be really good as well. And there's more stuff coming for sure, but that's wide open for you. Think about coming. I'd love to have you. It'd be really nice to have you. I think it'll be... um, I think it'll be a really, really good way to spend some time. So, And we'll get to hang out together. And maybe if we're good and lucky, we'll go over to the House of Dankness and get some dank. And we can do that. That's doable. Until then, my friends, thanks for listening to the pod. Have as much fun as you possibly can, for goodness sakes. Learn something new every single day, for goodness sakes. And, of course, try your hardest to be safe. See you later. (laughs) 